It is, as Larry mentioned, today is our special contribution Sunday. And uh, sort of in light of that, and in, in light of giving special contribution, uh, the title of my lesson and what I want to remind us of this morning is this. Uh, I want to encourage us to be people who do what is right no matter what. We got to be people who do what is right no matter what. I mean, it's certainly when we talk about giving, you know, contribution, special contribution, uh, the call for giving has gone out. Uh, and so, and, and as Larry mentioned, the encouragement, the, the, uh, the, the hope, the plead, uh, the challenge is that each of our families would give, that, that individuals, uh, singles would give, but also uh, as, as families you would give, as married couples, that everybody would participate. That's the right thing, to do what is right, to, to give something, to be a part of it. But doing what is right, no matter what, isn't just on Special Contribution Sunday. It's a lifestyle that we live as Christians, right? It's something that we often need to be reminded of no matter what. Um, it's appropriate every day. It's hard sometimes to do what's right. It's hard to have the right heart as a Christian sometimes. You know, I don't know how it happened exactly, but I somehow am on a, uh, a text distro list. Uh, I'm, I'm actually on two text distro lists where every day people send me scriptures and every day on my phone, I receive a new scripture from two different people. And I know that as a Christian, and certainly maybe as a leader, <laughs> you would think I'd welcome that. But that's not always my heart, right? <laughs> I get up and I'm like, oh, just more things to delete out of my phone every day, right? You know, like, okay. okay. But, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying sometimes it's hard, right? It's hard to have the right heart. So it's good for us all at times to re be reminded, to be people that, that, that we do what is right no matter what. I'm going to read to you about two people today in the scriptures, and we're going to talk about them a little bit with this topic. The first one is in Acts chapter 2, and it's um, Peter, the apostle Peter. In Acts chapter 2, of course, we know it's the beginning of the church, and, um, and Peter gets up, and he's uh, being questioned by the people, and he stands up and he preaches uh, what is his first big sermon. And, uh, and it's a pretty powerful sermon if you read it there in Acts chapter 2. But at the end of the sermon, this is how it ends, all right? Acts chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 36, Peter says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. All right, this is Peter closing out his sermon. Verse 37 says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Verse 40, it said, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I mean, what an amazing event that was. Again, so Peter and the other apostles are being questioned about what's going on. And so Peter stands up in front of this crowd and he preaches a sermon to them. And he, after preaching this sermon, he closes out his sermon by squarely laying the blame of Jesus's death on the people who are listening to his sermon. 
I mean, that's a pretty bold thing to do. Now, they didn't physically kill him, but they, you know, when you study the Bible, it's our sins that killed Jesus. It's our sins that put Jesus on the cross. They called for his death, and that's what he's saying to this crowd of people. And they are, the Bible says, they're cut to their heart. I mean, they are moved by this, and they're, they're, they're just, they're convicted. And they say, you know, what, what, what do we do? How do we fix this? And Peter goes on to tell them, you just, you need to repent of your sins and get baptized and, and become Christians. Receive the Holy Spirit, have all your sins wiped away. This is a promise that wasn't just for them, but it's a promise we start, still participate in today. I mean, it's, it was an amazing event. He got up, he preached to them, and 3,000 people responded. Now let me read you another example, another guy here in the Bible. Turn a couple chapters later in Acts chapter 7. This is Stephen. Stephen is in a very similar situation. Uh, In fact, Stephen is questioned by a group of people, and he also preaches a sermon to the people. And listen how he ends his sermon. This is Acts chapter 7, beginning in verse 51. It says, you stiff-necked people. This is Stephen preaching to the the crowd. You stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have not received the law that was given through the angels, but have not, you you have received the law, but have not obeyed it. Verse 54, when the members of the Sanhedrin, his audience, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said, what do we do? No, it says they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. (laughs) Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, meaning he died. Right, so here we've got Stephen in almost the exact same scenario as Peter was in. He's in front of a crowd of people. They're questioning what's going on. And Stephen takes the opportunity, just like Peter, to stand up and preach a sermon. And he does. He preaches a sermon. In fact, it's a great sermon. You can go back and read the whole thing. And his sermon, just like Peter's, ends by taking the blame of Jesus' death and putting it on the people who are listening to him. So exact same situation. Now, question. Of the two, Peter or Stephen, which of them had the more favorable results? You can shout it out. Yes, obviously. If you had a choice between those scenarios, Peter or Stephen, I think you probably with me would choose Peter's Uh, results because they're way more favorable. Second question though, which one of them did what was right? It's a trick question. 
Think about it for a second. Which of the two, Peter or Stephen, did the right thing? Yeah. Good. It's not that much of a trick question. You're gonna, you're like, wait, I think. Yeah. They both did the right thing. The point that I'm making through all of this is this. Results are not the point. The point is that we got to do what is right no matter what. When it's time to do what's right, you got to do what's right. Whether it means that everybody applauds and they say, great job, yay, 3,000 people say, I want to do what that person is doing. Or they get angry and they kill you. The point is, we got to do what's right no matter what. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with being a person who does what is right no matter what? At home, at school, in the car. That's a, that's a tough one. In traffic, at work, with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, when you're doing your taxes, when you're playing, when you're texting, when you're on the phone, when you're online, when everybody is watching, when nobody's watching, do you do what is right no matter what? It is easy to be righteous when you're at church, isn't it? Yes. We're all <laughs> good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that's good. I hope if you're like, nah, it's not that easy. Okay, all right. Well, usually it's easy to be righteous when you're at church, right? When everyone's clapping, when everyone's singing, uh, when we're all saying amen, we're all hugging. This is this is an easy place to be a faithful person, to be a righteous person. But what about when you're alone? What about when you're by yourself? What about when you're in a group and nobody else is a Christian? What about when you're worried that people might laugh at you or mock you or make fun of you or somehow degrade you for your faith? What, what about when you're in a situation where nobody will ever know what you do or don't do? Do you do what is right then? That's the question. That's what we need to be reminded of. It's hard. It's hard to do what's right, especially when you're by yourself or when there's nobody else around. I was at a hotel not long ago, and it was one of these hotels that uh, has this free breakfast. You know, you go down and there's a little like room, not a restaurant, it's a room, right? Some tables. And then there's a few terrible bagels sitting out and some bad coffee. You know what I'm saying? You've been to those restaurants. Hey, restaurants. You've been to those hotels, but it's free. So it's like, amen. Thank you, God. It's free. I'll take it. Right. And uh, and I was sitting in this little I was at this restaurant and there was, you know, there was, you know, I don't know, it was a small room, eight or nine or ten tables, just a handful of people in there. It was quiet and I'm tired and I'm drinking my coffee. And there was a guy on the other side of the room, this small little room. And he was on the phone. And not only was he on the phone, but he was on the speaker phone and he's sitting there eating. And the guy on the phone is loud and he's loud, like everything about it. He's just, uh, just carrying on a loud conversation. And I was like, please, can you just, I'm thinking, will you please stop? Like, have some respect for the room, right? But he's just loud. The guy's loud. Everything was loud. And I was just, I was sitting there looking through my phone. And somebody had sent me a video of something to look at. And I hadn't watched it yet. And I, th I sat there and I thought, you know, this is a great time for me to watch a video. So I turned on the video. I turned it up really loud and I just sat there and I was like, yeah, great video. Wow. You know, I, 
And I, in my heart, I was like, this is not the right thing to do. I know. But I was tired. I was a little annoyed. And the coffee wasn't that good. And so I'm watching a really loud video while he's listening. And, and, and he couldn't hear himself, so I turned it up. I couldn't hear mine, so I'm turning it up. And wouldn't you know, like right at that time, I get one of my daily scripture texts. <laughs> Matthew 6, 14. I'm not joking. This is what it was. It says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I was like, ah. Oh. I was like, amen, God, amen. It was like a message from the Lord, literally a message from the Lord. I was like, amen. I'm just saying, it is not easy to do what is right, especially when nobody else is around. But this is our call as followers of Jesus. It is, we are called to be righteous people. We're called to be holy people. We're called to make right choices not just when we're together with each other, but when we're alone by ourselves or in situations that it would be so much easier to do the wrong thing. We're still called to be people who are righteous. Do what is right, no matter what. I love these two stories of Peter and Stephen because what we also learn from this is that we have to stop judging the faithfulness of actions based on the fireworks that go off after the action. You know what I'm saying? Like Peter did what was right and the fireworks went off. I mean, it was, it, was, it was a concert. You know, there was baptisms everywhere. You know, it was amazing. Everything was... Stephen did what was right, almost identical, same scenario. Did almost the exact same thing. And, and he got killed for it. But he was equally as faithful as Peter was. And so we have to stop judging our actions or the actions of other people, judging the faithfulness of those actions based on the results that we get from them. Because actions can be incredibly faithful, even though the response might be poor. You just have to remember, we have to remember to be people who do what is right, no matter what happens. But you know what's amazing about this story? And let me kind of close out with this thought. Stephen did have some amazing results, didn't he? Stephen actually did. If you look a little bit closer into this, there's actually two things that happened here. They were pretty amazing things. First thing, there was a young man standing nearby watching who was participating. He was holding the, the coats of everybody who was doing the thing. A young man named Saul, right? Saul, if you're familiar with the Bible, would... Uh, just a few chapters later, have a, a little, you know, a little time with Jesus and a little walk with Jesus. He would have an encounter with Jesus that would change his life. And he would go from being a, a great persecutor to one of the greatest preachers of Christianity. That's Paul. Saul becomes Paul. And so as Saul is sitting there watching a young man die for his faith, you can't help but to think that it had to have had an impact on him. Because when you read about Paul, Paul later, when he becomes a Christian and starts preaching, Paul and Barnabas go on a missionary journey. 
Paul ends up going on multiple missionary journeys, but his very first journey where he goes out to meet new people and start new churches, he goes on this mission. In his very first one, he gets to one town and they drag him out of the city and they stone him, just like what had happened to Stephen. This is his first missionary journey. Paul gets stoned. Not the kind of stone that, yeah, you know, there it is, digging. Marjorie always makes fun of me because I start talking and I don't stop and I dig myself into a hole. Yeah, yeah, amen. Thank you very much. I probably did it to myself. Paul, okay, let me bring it, let me reel it back in. Paul gets almost killed. He doesn't die. But you know what Paul does? What does Paul do when they drag him out of the city for, for preaching and, and try to kill him with stones? What does he do? He gets up and goes right back into the city and continues. Now, the Bible doesn't say what he was thinking. The Bible doesn't say what his motivation was. But you can't help but to think that somewhere in his recollect, he's remembering the young man. The young man who he watched die by the same means for his faith. So the point is, is when you do what is right, no matter what, and even if it feels like you're not getting the results you think you should be getting, somebody's watching. Somebody's watching. Somebody is paying attention. Somebody. You may not even know who it is, but somebody's paying attention. Somebody's faith is being built by your faithful actions. So that's, that is a good thing that happened in Stephen's situation is the possible impact that he had on Saul, who later became Paul. But there's even one more thing that happened. There's one more thing. Anybody want to take a guess at what it is? There's one more thing that if you, you read right over it, anybody feeling bold? <laughs> yeah, the one more thing that happened with Stephen, yes. Okay, all right, you, you saw my notes. All right, amen, bro. Amen. <laughs> Actually, it's because your name's Garrison, right? That you, you, you and I just, yeah, amen, bro. I don't know if you heard what he said, but the Bible says that as Stephen was dying, he looked and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, why is that significant, Sam? He's usually seated. Yeah, okay, right. Every other reference you see of Jesus going into heaven, what do you see him doing? See, Hebrews chapter 1 says that Jesus went to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Now, you may think, well, okay, Phil, we're talking spiritual things here. Does it really matter? Well, the Bible distinguishes between Jesus sitting and standing. The only time you see Jesus standing is when Stephen was dying. So, I mean, you can't help but to go, all right. So Stephen's faith, Stephen doing what was right, no matter what, even though the results were terrible, like you sit there and you're just a casual observer. You're like, oh, that's a horrible situation, right? You see that, but you see that Stephen clearly had, he, he, he must have had an impact on Saul, right? But even greater than that, what you see, according to the scriptures, is that Stephen's faith, his action, his willingness to do what was right no matter what, got Jesus to stand up. How awesome is that? I mean, that's the kind of faith I want to have. I want to have that kind of faith that I get Jesus to stand. I mean, I, the Bible doesn't say this, but I, I see Jesus like, 
slow clapping, right? Yeah, come on. You know, that, I'm throwing that in there. It's probably in the Greek somewhere, right? Maybe not. But Stephen doing what was right got Jesus to stand up. And so even when we do what is right, and it doesn't work out the way we think it should work out, as long as we are righteous and, and, and faithful to God, God can work out good things, even in the midst of that. God has an amazing ability to turn troubles into triumph. He really, really does. This morning, I was walking out to my car, uh, getting into my truck, going to load up the sound equipment and, you know, kind of running along. As, I, as I'm walking outside, I looked at my shirt and it was covered in lint. And I'm like, oh, man, look at that. I didn't, I, and I'm like, I don't have time. I'm kind of running late, so I got to hurry. And uh, I'm like, oh, I should have just, you know. But I'm like, all right, today's going to be a lint day. And as I'm going, I go get my truck and I bring my truck around and, um, and I'm loading it up and I open the truck and I put my hand in the truck that had been sitting under a tree, a couple trees, so it was just covered with sap. So when I went and opened up the truck, now I got sap on my hands. I'm like, oh, man. And then I load this stuff up and then I close the truck and then I trip, right? And I reach out to my truck with the other hand to, to catch myself, which I do. But then I'm like, oh, no, I got sap on both hands. And I'm like, what do I do? And then I'm like, wait. It's like lint rollers. I'm like, so I just went through it. As you notice, there's no lint on my shirt. My point is, yeah, my hands are nice and furry. But um, my point is, I'm like, the Lord brought it all. What, what I thought were multiple troubles became a triumph, right? I know my wife loves that. <laughs> she, she loves it. That's right. You're going to... <laughs> she just reminded we we have clean clothes. Amen. You're gonna see me on Shark Tank being like, and then put your hands on the tree and you'll be like, yeah, yeah. And they'll be like, we all want in, all the sharks. We gotta do. I, what was I? What was my point there? My point was, you turn God can turn troubles into triumph. There is my point. There it is. The Bible's full of examples, full of examples of people who did what was right no matter what, no matter what the results were. Noah, Moses, Abraham, Rahab, Rachel, Deborah, Gideon, Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elisha, Elijah, Matthew, James, John, Paul, Hannah, Esther, all the Marys, Timothy, Titus, Apollos, Priscilla, Aquila, Barnabas. It goes on and on and on. And of course... The one we're here to worship, the greatest example of someone doing what was right, no matter what the consequence, is Jesus himself. And this is who we've come to remember this morning. This is who we're here to worship, and this is whom we're going to take some time to reflect on as we take communion together. Jesus gave himself, and, it, and, and he, he did what was right, and it cost him his life, but in doing what was right, he gives us the opportunity to know God and have a relationship with God. Amen. So let's do this. We're going to say a prayer, and then we'll just have a moment here of some, some quiet meditation where we can just reflect on God and, and Jesus and, and the cross of Jesus. So we'll take this, and then after a few moments, we'll, we'll have our worship team come up and close out with one more song.
Let's pray. God in heaven, we are so grateful and so thankful for the way that you bless us, the way that you love us, the way you teach us, the way you guide us. God, we are grateful uh, for the lessons, the call to, to be righteous, to do what is right no matter what. But God, more importantly, we're grateful that Jesus did it. And because his sacrifice and his conviction allows us to have a relationship with you. Thank you for wiping away our sins. Thank you for calling us into a a walk with you. Thank you for letting us be your children. Thank you for letting us be part of your family. Thank you that you will take us with you to be with you for all eternity one day. God, help us now as we reflect on that love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.